And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. You know, it would help to turn on the microphone. Here I am, just mouthing. But at least you had some nice little music to enjoy. Hello, everyone. Jason Hunt here in the bunker. We don't have a guest today, so I'm going to rant a little bit. I am the hardest working man on YouTube, says Sci-Fi Snob. Not going to argue with that. We've got 10 shows on the air. Here and uh, on our Instagram channel, I've got to I've got to be pretty good about uh, getting cosplay diaries up to date so we can get a new episode out. But we do have ten different programs that are here on the regular. Besides this show, we have the H two O podcast on Monday night. We have Triple Bites, which is our Star Trek news show, and our and Salacious Crumbs, our Star Wars news show, and they alternate on Tuesdays. We've got a brand new Salacious Crumbs tonight that I'm working on now. We have Tartar Sauce, which is the Doctor Who discussion program. We have our roundtables for Star Trek and Star Wars, Deep Space Minds, and uh, the Ranker Pit. And then on Saturday morning, we have Good Morning Multiverse, and then, of course, we've got the Cosplay Diaries over on Thursdays uh, when I can get an episode together put together so we stay busy here so you know the hardest working man on youtube i'll take it because you know this like we were talking about yesterday when we had rob geronimo in here um this part-time thing hobby gig pastime really has especially in the last few months turned into a full-time thing i'm doing this i don't know nine to two o'clock in the morning so um it makes for interesting office hours that's for sure um so i was looking now one of the one of the very one of the many hats that i wear here as part of uh, the work, as I have to take a look and, and keep track of all of the things that are going on. And speaking of deep space minds, uh, I, I look at all of these. All of these videos have a view count. Whenever somebody looks at a at a video or they watch a video when we're doing something live or or any of that, uh, YouTube counts. You know, after a certain amount of time, it counts the view as a view, and the numbers go up. And we are slowly but surely increasing the number of subscribers. By the way, I want to welcome Floyd, who uh, who subscribed last night simply on Clint Stoker's Say So. I dropped in on their live stream last night as he was wrapping up because uh, they've just launched last week their Indiegogo project for a new comic book called Fatal. And we'll have Clint on here on Monday. I don't know if Charlie Snogans is going to join as well. He's the artist on that book. 
But we'll be talking to Clinton Stoker over at Sweetcast is his YouTube channel. He's going to be here on Monday. And we are uh, talking with Mercedes Lackey. I know we had a request for Mercedes Lackey to be a guest. And she can't do anything live, so we're now trying to figure out a time to record something. So Mercedes Lackey will be on the program at a later date. So just want to give you that programming note. Uh, but But... I'm I'm looking at the analytics. I'm looking at the data. I'm looking at the performance numbers of all of this stuff. And one of the things that I see is uh, how many how many views a video has, how many numbers of performance and and whatnot. And most of our videos stay in the double digits, twenty five. 30, 17, 12, you know, that kind of thing. Because we're a small channel, admittedly. We've only got 1,470, I think we're at 1,478 right now is our, is our count for subscribers, um, which is pretty much, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it as a tortoise and hare thing because the tortoise may be slow, but he's steady. And we are slowly growing our channel uh, we haven't blown up to 150,000 or, or 6 million or whatever. Although that would be nice to get up into the hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And if any of you want to help us get there by sharing the link to our channel, that would be great. But I go in here and I'm looking at the video numbers and I see here my conversation with Manny Cotto from Deep Space Minds on Friday night has essentially blown up. It's currently sitting here at 236 views. 236. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's a lot. I wonder what's going on with it. So I get into the analytics of it, and I want you to take a look here and see uh, the engagement numbers. And I'll... And, and, this audience retention number. Now, the, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you're missing out on the visual aid. But I'm digging into the numbers here on uh, where we uh, where we get stuff, where 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 our traffic is coming from, and how our videos are doing. And I see this this graphic here, the audience retention marker it, it's it's a fairly stable line eight nine ten twenty percent all the way through the video until you get to this one big spike sitting at 94 percent at the 45 minute mark i'm thinking well, what is that what is what is that that they're doing and then so i go in and i look at this and i'm not going to play right now but this is the part of the conversation where Manny Cotto, who was executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise in, his, in, in its fourth and final season, he came on board as a writer in season three, and then they handed him the reins for season four. And this spike is at the point in our conversation where he says that somebody has told him the plan for Picard season two, and it's a terrible plan. Manny Cotto did not tell me what the plan was as much as I would have loved for him to tell me exactly what's going on. Uh, there are a number of projects that are out there, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who. There, there are a lot of leaks. And there are 
likely a number of planted stories so they could try to close those leaks. Let's identify where the leaks are coming from. Uh, this is something you see in Tom Clancy novels. This is something that intelligence agencies do. If we find out we have a leak, then certain people are going to get one version of the story, certain people are going to get another version of the story, and then you get a third version of the story, and that way, whatever leaks, you can start to track it. You can start to trace and figure out who's, who's doing what. Well, it turns out that this spike came from Reddit because, Mrs. Boss, I don't know if you know this or not, over on Reddit, our video got shared in a couple of different places uh, and not related to Star Trek. Interestingly enough, these are on threads having to do with 24 because Manny Cotto was a producer on 24. And so these things show up, and I'm looking at the tra the source of our traffic, and it's Reddit. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody somebody's posted it. But I couldn't find it in a search for Picard. I found it in a search on Manny Cotto, and there's a couple of places that the full interview is there. They've linked to it. They said, at the 45-minute mark, they give the time code. So, of course, people are going straight to the time code and watching just that little piece. Guys... Watch the whole thing. It does It does kind of put things into context a little bit. But I wanted to look through here and show you some of the comments because there are some people who actually sat and, and watched the whole thing. Um, so uh, just looking at this fun interview, uh, Ion Dust... Two days ago. Fun interview. Now we know Manny Cota has Surex uh, Kirshara in his office. Uh, here's here's another. Let's see. We get through all of these. Because there was another. There was another one. Thanks for sharing the interview. I was just rewatching Enterprise last night. Um, there was. One in here that I that I really wanted to to highlight because uh, it may have been on the other th the other discussion thread because there are two discussion threads where this video gets linked and uh, it was it was one of the things that um, I thought was really interesting. to see this show up on Reddit because we've, we've seen a couple of things where our videos have started to show up in a couple of places. They've, uh, they've been on, uh, Gary, Gary Beekler at Nerdrotic has referenced it. Ichibaka over at Star Wars, uh, Disney Star Wars is dumb has referenced it. Our, our conversation with JW Rensler, for example, and so I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting to see that our content, our material, is starting very, very, very quietly to drop in in various different places. And you look here on this on this Reddit thread, and there it is. They've embedded it. Boom, full video right there. Now this one doesn't have any as many comments, but 
the, our YouTube video is embedded straight into the thing. And in this comment, uh, in this comment thread, they're talking about the design of the discovery and the design of enterprise and all that other stuff. But um, in here, somewhere in here, I'm, I'm looking back through to see. Ah, here it is. Here's uh, Zero Bang leaving a comment. That is a one-hour video. Do you have a timestamp for that part? Talking about the the piece where Manny Cotto says this plan for Picard Season 2 is disturbing. And then he adds, apparently he went back in to edit his comment. Never mind, listened to the whole thing, worth it. Here's Shran MD. It's a good interview. Thanks for sharing. Razkai719. Great interview. The discussion about the set starts about 1530. Also, there's a very interesting exchange about Picard at 45. So people are people are paying attention. I like this. I like this one uh, this one comment here. There's an easy way out, just called Delancey. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I can can we just cue the whole thing and just you know just snap fingers and a big flash of light and and it was all just we can Bobby Ewing the whole thing uh, that first season of Picard. Don't worry about it. He'll wake up in the shower and it's all a dream. Oh, so yeah, so so thank you uh, those those of you on Reddit who are sharing our our videos. Uh, hopefully, you're getting something of value out of what we do here. I think uh, I think that what we do has some merit and some value. I think we're doing some good work. We just need other people to see it. We need other people to know about it. It's coming. It's coming one of these days. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm looking at our channel right now, and we are at 1,478 subscribers. So all of you who are brand new to the channel, welcome. Make sure your notifications are turned on. This is a, a big source of frustration for me because YouTube uh, on August 13th said, we're not sending out emails anymore. No, email, no more email notifications. You either have to use the push notifications on your desktop or you have to use the push notifications in the YouTube app. So uh, a while back when we knew that there were going to be problems with YouTube, we were, we were already experiencing some issues with the notifications. We went ahead at the top of our social media channels, uh, most of them anyway, uh, you can find a schedule of our shows because uh, there are some there are some channels out there they just upload they upload the show whenever you know they upload with their videos whenever they upload a video or they go live whenever and they don't hold to a schedule and my thinking you know I'm I'm old school I grew up on must see TV I grew up on appointment television and I think it makes much more sense in terms of consistency to have our shows at regular times. Now, are we able to do that all the time? Do we meet our schedule? There are there are times we're late. So, and and, and a lot of that is technical stuff whether we're, you know, we're editing and you got to you got to export the video and the, the video's got to upload and the video's got to process. So, that sometimes we don't quite meet our deadline. But the schedule is there at the top of the of the channels. 
so you can see when we are supposed to have shows. And I think that makes it a whole lot easier. Even if you don't get a notification, you can tell, you can see when we go live or when we upload uh, videos. But a lot of our traffic is coming from recommended. You know, you, you watched this, so now maybe you're interested in this. And I find it very interesting that a bulk of our audience, the bulk of our viewership is not coming from subscribers. It's coming from people who are not subscribed. So if you are watching the video, if you're watching any of our shows and you haven't subscribed, uh, you're still welcome. I mean, we still like the fact that you're here and, and, and watching our shows, but subscribing is always uh, a, an option and you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, what we do for our audience, because we tell everybody about this, is uh, we try to save you money with a discount code over at SuperheroStuff.com. When you use the promo code SciFi for me 10 when you check out, you'll save 10% on your order. And that does work in combination with other sales and, and uh, special offers at times. It doesn't work with every single one of them. But uh, you go over to SuperheroStuff.com and get you a discount on some swag. So I'll throw that one in there. Uh, Critical Blast in the chat. Welcome. Uh, smash like. Yes, hit, this, hit the like button. Um, and, and I will leave you time to do that while I sip my coffee. All right. So we are still looking for a coffee company to sponsor our channel, by the way just throw that out there uh any of you who might be connected to a coffee company so here we go we're gonna need a whole lot of coffee for this because there will be tears last night on the h2o podcast besides having technical issues and besides talking about the recent uh news related to DC Comics and Warner Media and that such. Uh, we took we took a, 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 a dive into the DC Fandom event as well as some of the other stuff that's been going on at DC Comics over the last couple of weeks with all of the firings and the and the restructuring and the corporate stuff going on at Warner Media and AT&T. And uh, as part of the vamping while I dealt with technical glitches, uh, Mr. Harvey mentioned this. We got news yesterday. This, new, this news broke yesterday. Uh, and this is over on Variety Headline, Powerpuff Girls Live Action Series in Development at CW. Now, I did not watch the Powerpuff Girls growing up i was already old enough that i was past the the age of of powerpuff girls um but i am familiar with the powerpuff girls uh, as a matter of fact the voice of professor newtonium uh, tom kane is our voice. He does, uh, he does liners and sounders for us on occasion. Uh, you heard his voice at the beginning of this program, as a matter of fact. No. In the podcast. His voice is in the podcast version of this. But his voice is all over our channel. You can hear it, hear it everywhere. His voice is at the beginning of H2O. That's where I was thinking. So, 
we know. I'm familiar with the Powerpuff Girls. We've talked about it in the past. It's a cartoon. It is uh, you know, the original Powerpuff Girls created by Craig McCracken. Professor Utonium accidentally creates the elementary school-aged super team of Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup by combining sugar, spice, and everything nice with the mysterious Chemical X. Show ran for six seasons, 78 episodes. They get their their syndication deal between 1998 and 2005. They did another updated version in 2016, and I hear it's not as good, but I don't know. I haven't watched it. I've caught bits and pieces of the show over the years. But this, this version of the Powerpuff Girls is not that version of the Powerpuff Girls. And... I have concerns. Uh, one of the things that we have talked about over on H2O especially, but in other places, Tim and I have, have had this conversation. I've had this conversation with Mrs. Boss about the people what in charge of Hollywood. They have a tendency to, one, learn the wrong lessons and two, make the wrong decisions based on those lessons. And for those of us of an age that are in charge of things, uh, I think especially with any kind of creative, I think there is a need for some of these people to, uh, they want to stay relevant and they also want to, I don't want to say hang on to their childhood, but the there comes a point in time where you really start to feel your age. Where you start to seriously consider your mortality, your own impermanence the temporary state of existing on this earth. And I think maybe some of that drives some of this. I, I've, I've talked about this before. The people that are in charge of Hollywood, they want to hang on to their childhood. They want to hang on to their youth. This is, this is an attempt at uh, Fountain of Youth style reinvigoration. I the, these are the things I enjoyed when I was a kid, so I'm going to bring them back and enjoy them again. The problem is that a lot of these people are bringing this stuff back, and they don't understand what made it work in the first place. And this project, I think, is going to be no different. And, and, and I, the caveat here is we don't know if this is going forward or not. It's just in development at this point. So there's no series order. There's no pilot order. Uh, there's not even a script at this point. This just came out. So there's still time to head them off the pass, folks. But according to this article in Variety, the Powerpuff Girls could fly again soon. Reading from the article, Variety has learned that a live-action version of the classic Cartoon Network series is in development at the CW. 
in the updated version of the series, uh-oh, red flag, the titular superheroes are now disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. Will they agree to reunite now that the world needs them more than ever? Okay, a couple of things that I have, uh, uh, I have problems with this. And, I, and, and Tim pointed this out last night, uh, that Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup did have a childhood. You know, they had a bedtime, they had story time, they had, you know, playground time at school. They, they did have a childhood, but they were also superheroes staving the earth. And you have, you know, people like, you know, enemies like Mojo Jojo, who's a monkey. How are you going to do that live action? Does Mojo Jojo come back in live action as a monkey? Are we going to do uh, Gorilla Grodd? Or is just going to repurpose the Gorilla Grodd CG stuff from The Flash and give him a turban or something? I mean, that's... Why, 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 why are you going to do this? And the reason that I mentioned Gorilla Grodd Flash is because this project is from Greg Berlanti, the big Arrowverse guy over there. Pretty much uh, the one that was responsible for like 80% of the programming over the CW right now. The project hails this from the article. Project hails from writers and executive producers Heather Rainier and Diablo Cody, Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, and David Madden will executive produce via Berlanti Productions. Warner of the Televisions will produce. Uh, okay, the fact that you have Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, I think I, I think that's how you pronounce her name, David Madden. I, Okay, who are these people? We know who Greg Berlanti is. Greg Berlanti is responsible for pretty much all the superhero shows on the air right now. The Arrow, Flash. Um, there's something uh, in development for Adam Strange. There, you know, the Booster Gold project has been sitting there forever. Uh, but you've got Superman and Lois that's coming. You've got. Uh, Stargirl over on DCU, you have Doom Patrol, you've got Legends Tomorrow, Batwoman, Supergirl, Kate, Katie Keene is a spinoff of the Archie Riverdale series. So it's based on a comic book, but it's not a superhero. You've got a Fla The Flash, you've got uh, Arrow, Black Lightning. Um, so it's, it's, he's got a pedigree. And for the most part, seems to have a, a, a handle on what kind of superhero shows can work. But, of course, there, we, have to, we have to say, they're all following a formula. They're all the same show, except with the different costume. Because... It, the formula is you have a hero, the hero has a team, the bad guys show up, bad things happen, team gets together and, and, and makes it happen. Heather Rainier is a producer who is responsible for things like Veronica Mars, uh, which is a popular, a popular show. iZombie, which did fairly well. It was an adaptation of a Vertigo title. Sleepy Hollow, which was popular over at Fox until it wasn't. Uh, Smilf, 
I have no idea about what kind of, I mean, just from the title, I can imagine what kind of show it is. I've never watched it and don't plan to. And then David Madden has been involved in not any superhero stuff, uh, pardon the pun, but he has been involved in Home Alone 4 and L.A. Law and Runaway Bride and... I mean, he's done a, a number of comedies, but he's also done The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle was a, was a really good movie. But it was also 28 years ago. Okay. What about Diablo Cody? Diablo Cody started, got, essentially got attention from her blogs. And she wrote Juno, which is not a bad movie. I mean, it's it's okay. Uh, and then she went on to, to do Jennifer's Body, which is a horror film with Megan Fox. But I haven't, I haven't seen very much that she's been working on because I just she doesn't do anything that interests me. So I find it interesting that she's part of this project as the as as one of the writers, I guess is what this is coming from. So okay. So that's the setup. You have the Powerpuff Girls, you have Diablo Cody writing 20-something edgy, retired Powerpuff Girls. The idea that they have to reunite means that at some point they went their separate ways. Okay, maybe they went to college. Um, what would cause them to split up because they were pretty much joined at the hip in the shows? Of course, they're, what, five, six years old? I mean, they're, they're elementary school age. They're tiny. They're young. It doesn't look like anybody involved in the original series is involved in this. It doesn't look like Cartoon Network is involved. Except maybe just giving them the license. Um, I saw a couple, of, uh, a couple of videos that were speculating as to whether or not this would allow for a crossover between the Powerpuff Girls and the and the DC television universe and and I'm thinking that's a very bad idea. But this idea that you've got the twenty somethings who resent the fact that they didn't have a childhood when they actually did have a childhood um makes me wonder what this is going to look like. It, it, if if this is more of the same kind of thing that we get, like Riverdale, which is uh, a darker, less Archie version of the Archie comics, and if you have the same kind of treatment, you give the same kind of treatment to the Powerpuff Girls, I don't know that that's going to work. Now you can do, and you know, as 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 Tim pointed out last night, we were talking about it with the the idea of the kids who are heroes who grow up and are either still heroes or they walk away from it. the The impact 
that that kind of thing has on your childhood, on how you grow up. I mean, you look at Dick Grayson's trajectory as a kid into into adulthood. You look at Jason Todd. You look at Tim Drake. You look at Barbara Gordon, Cassandra Cain. Um, the, the sidekicks are usually younger. I mean, there was a, there was a great run with, uh, uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams when they did, uh, they did, um, the speedy, you know, speedy on drugs, you know, green arrow sidekick. They were able to do some of those stories, but they did it in a way that was respectful of the characters, respectful of the canon, respectful of audience. I think that's going to that's going to be a big important thing here. How do you do this kind of thing and do the dark edgy Powerpuff Girls and attract any of the original audience? I don't I don't see the audience for the cartoon coming to see this unless it's just out of train wreck curiosity when you're driving by the disaster and you have to look um you know maybe it's that morbid curiosity that will get people to tune in the first couple of episodes but if this thing goes to series you have to knock it out of the park in the first couple of episodes or you're going to lose the the legacy audience and you could very well run into that risk anyway because the legacy audience is expecting Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup that we had in the cartoons. And if we're not going to get that, then you have to basically start from scratch to build your audience. And the CW is probably the better place for that in terms of what kind of audience, what kind of demographic would watch this kind of show. And for good or ill, your mileage may vary. Berlanti is, and his team is very good about the CW type of drama in these shows. I think it's unnecessary. I think it makes these superhero shows a little bit too soap opera-y. They're, they're, too, they're too soap operatic. I guess is the is the way you describe that. It's, I mean, it it could work, maybe. Robert in the chat, child heroes who end up like child actors might be interesting if dark. That that's a that's an interesting. I hadn't thought about that approach. Uh, you look at, and I guess that would be a good real world analogy for child actors who grow up troubled and and with problems you look at people like Corey Feldman you look at Drew Drew Barrymore uh Henry I don't know did Henry Thomas have have trouble transitioning into into adulthood for for being a kid actor I don't I don't know that I ever heard any stories about him Okay he was I don't I I don't I I haven't I haven't heard um, but yeah, the, that's the story that we hear about a number of, of child actors. Uh, well, look at Macaulay Culkin and, uh, and that, and that mess. Uh, so it's, 
it's an interesting possible take, maybe. Um, and and if Diablo Cody takes that approach, it might work. Um, I th- I still think you're gonna have to figure out what kind of threat. If they've all gone their separate ways, what kind of threat would it, would bring them back together? Is is there a danger to Dad? Is there a danger to the world or just to their town? Um, is everybody going to be back in terms of the cast? Uh, are they gonna Are they gonna race swap the redhead like CW likes to do? Um, is the mayor going to be back? Is the mayor's mayor's assistant going to be back? Uh, that would be a good place for for uh, uh, oh, what's her name, Christina Christina Hendricks. Oh, is that her name from from Mad Men? Yeah. You get uh, you get Christina Hendricks in there to play. Um, Miss uh, Miss Keen, I think. But what do you do with Mojo Jojo? It's a he's a monkey. How do you do that? I don't know. Is it mm. and the. The rowdy rough boys could they come back? Maybe they've you know if they're if they're if they're the same age, ish. Maybe they maybe they bring them back. Maybe they become the new nemesises. Is it nemesis 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 I don't know. The threat has to be enough to bring them all back because I guess they don't like each other. They've gone their separate ways. I mean, you, there's there's different different possibilities for it, but um, on the one hand, this goes into that. You know, we need more female superheroes. Okay, fine. You want to do some female superheroes? Let's do female superheroes, but do it in a way that is respectful of what came before and do it in a way that entertains and holds interest. If you're doing it just as a gimmick, then it's not going to work. If you're doing it just for the gotchas, it's not going to work. It's not going to last and you're not going to have the audience. They're not going to be there. Although the CW doesn't really seem to care very much about how many people actually watch their shows because they keep shows on the air well past their expiration date. Um, I think the other thing, too, is if you're going to start going down this road for the Powerpuff Girls and, and if there's going to be this partnership between CW and Cartoon Network, does that mean we're going to get a live-action Johnny Bravo? Or a live-action Dexter's Laboratory, or uh, Fairly Odd Parents. I mean, you, 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 the mind boggles at the possibilities, and that's not necessarily a good thing to have all of those options. And the other thing is that you have you know, uh, Critical Blast talking about the costumes uh, going to the to the different things. I, 
it it bring and I mentioned this last night. There are uh, there are plenty of examples of fan art where the artists have uh, given us grown up versions of these girls. And some of them are sexier than others, and of course they draw fire, uh, you know, because y- uh, you can't do that kind of thing these days. Uh, J. Scott Campbell gets raked over the coals constantly for the way he draws women, uh, and I think for me, okay, if that's what you want to do, you want to you want to portray these characters as they would look like grown up, fine. Um, you're not sexualizing the kids. You're 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 aging them up and and make them sexy. Okay, whatever. But there is a danger here. I don't want to. No, there's not a danger. There's a, there's a potential here because the very people who have complained about that kind of thing, you know, the where are her organs crowd could be very vocal about this and depending on how they do it if it's a deconstruction style show because Diablo Cody is a is a hero to this, to some of these folks if it is a deconstruction of the Powerpuff Girls and it's that dark grim gritty you know we never should have done this kind of resentment then what does that look like? How do they, you know, what's the wardrobe going to look like? What's the, you know, who, how are you going to, what are you going to, who, who's your cast going to be? Who would you get to play these characters? I don't know. I'll have to ask Tom if anybody's talked to him about doing it because I don't, I don't think that any of the voice people would transition into, into live action. We've seen that with the Mandalorian now with, with Ahsoka, you know, cause Ashley's not playing Ahsoka. I mean, Tom could play Professor Newtonian, uh, Professor Utonium, because he's played the character before and he's acted on in live action stuff. He's been in our, he, we did a movie and he was in he was in one of our our films. Uh, so you could do that, but it, you know, who who do you get to play Professor Utonium? An older type, uh, 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 Timothy Dalton type, and who who plays uh, who plays the girls? Do you uh, do you cast all white because that's where the, that's who they are? Do you respect that part of the of the canon, as it were, uh, or do you are do you end up because they're genetically engineered and they're created? They're not birthed. They're not they're not natural human beings. They're artificially created. Uh, you could play with that a little bit. I don't know why you would. Well, I do know why you would, but it wouldn't have anything to do with story reasons. So I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that this dies a quick death. Uh, it, because this sounds this sounds very much like it has the potential to be a disaster in the making if it's done for the wrong reasons in the wrong way. Now, given the fact that Greg Berlanti is involved, it may not go terribly, but it might. Berlanti seems to be leaning pretty heavily lately into uh, 
programming that is not necessarily for the mainstream audience anymore. He's got a, he's got a number of programs now that are uh, a little bit more LGBTQ friendly. Uh, the I think this this show uh, you I think is is part of that. Um, you've got I mean he's a producer on Unpregnant, which has drawn some fire over on Netflix. Um, so it's, mm-hmm, I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning away from the idea that this is a good idea. I don't think this is a good idea. I think if you're going to do that kind of a story where you've got young, young superheroes who grow up, do something original. They don't have to be the Powerpuff Girls. They don't have to have that kind of thing because how how do you how do you go back? How do you draw from the legacy of the cartoon? Because the Powerpuff Girls have a history. And if you ignore the history, then you have no reason for these characters to be the Powerpuff Girls. If they're the Powerpuff Girls, then you have to acknowledge what came in the cartoons in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't have to be an exact. It, ha- but you have to, you have to. The whole reason for them to have gone and done their thing, and and they weren't able to be kids because they had the they had all of the stuff. There's. I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. I just get worried. I never watched it. I don't know anything about it except my cousin was obsessive with it and won an award one year at the state fair for her crocheting, knitting, one of the outfits. But anyway, or no, never mind. That was Sailor Moon. But anyway, um, no, my thought from what you're talking about is look at what's happened with Hillary Duff and um, oh the Lizzie McGuire because the, the Lizzie they McGuire took, reboot you yeah. know the I I never watched it either so but I guess it was you know happy er lighter fair TV show and now we're x amount of years later and they've made it darker and edgy because she grew up everybody grew up and that's a good point because not only did they do that but the person who created lizzie mcguire that developed the reboot show got fired from the reboot show for trying to go in that direction and not make a lizzie mcguire show so that's 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 a a good point that you that you brought that up because lizzie mcguire is a comedy it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a workspace comedy. It's a home, you know, the, the, it's a, it's a sitcom. And you make it, if you do, uh, if you do a grown up Lizzie McGuire, now you're a workplace comedy because Lizzie McGuire is a comedy. And people who tune in to the show are going to expect it to be a comedy. It would be the same if you did an updated version of, even Stevens or Hannah Montana or you know any of those Disney shows. Didn't they do a Boy Meets World update? They did, yes. And the Boy Meets World update with them as grown-ups now, their parents, 
It's called Girl Meets World. And it's essentially Boy Meets World, the next generation. And I, it, it does it, it. Girl Meets World is probably the best example of that kind of thing where you reboot a show with a sequel. Because it wasn't a recreation of Boy Meets World. It was its own thing. But the DNA was the same. And since it's presented as a sequel and not a reboot, you still ha you have a little wiggle room because you can still respect what came before without trying to change it or retcon it or anything like that. With something like this, if you're going to do the Powerpuff Girls as 20-somethings, then at some point the question has to be asked, and somebody's, somebody over at Berlani's team is going to have to answer if this is a sequel of sorts to the cartoon. And if it is, there's certain types of stories, certain sensibilities that that involves, that that invokes, because there will be expectations based on the, the history of the show. The people that grew up on the show, which ran in the 90s, so now they're 20-somethings, they're, they're the same age group category, the same target demographic that you've got for this show, for the characters of the show, for, for the girls, are you're going to have to do a show that, that at least halfway meets the expectations of what people who grew up on the show are going to think. I, I, well, maybe, I don't know. Well, think about how I reacted, you know, me being the rabid Beverly Hills 90210 fan you know 10 years of absolutely loving that show then we did have their little spin-off of 90210 that happened you know back in the early 2000s where it was uh jenny uh jenny garth's character kelly taylor's younger sister in high school you know, in that crowd. So it, it, it kind of fed in a little bit with the original show. But then they decided to do BH90210 this last year. Right. And it was like, oh, yes, we're finally getting that. You know, it's been 10 years since the original show ended. But it wasn't. It was a parody-ish on themselves that was that took the real lives of the characters the actors, the actors, but they wrote it in such a way that it was the real life of the actors in the style of the original characters from the show. Yeah, so they were essentially spoofing themselves. But with the same, it felt like a 902, I mean, you felt like all those characters were, you know, that was Kelly Taylor, that was Donna Martin, Well, you know, and, and all and that. And the... the the type of reboot that comes to mind when you talk about that, you look at stuff like Starsky and Hutch, for example, or the Dukes of Hazard, the movie, um, where you had, you definitely have a parody, not a reboot. You have essentially the people making the new version are making fun of the old version. And it's not 
I don't get a sense of respect for the source material. I don't get a sense that they liked it. They, they claim to like it. Well, I grew up on this show. Okay, fine. Then do the show. Don't give me a joke parody version of the show. Don't make fun of the show. Find why it worked. The reason that Starsky and Hutch worked as a, as a cop show is because the friendship between Starsky and Hutch. It's a buddy cop thing, and that's very easily updatable for modern time. You can still do the buddy cop and, and that kind of story as Starsky and Hutch and do the dramatic and do the serious tone and still have fun with it without straying into parody. And the Dukes of Hazard the same way. The Dukes of Hazard was just a gag reel and completely missed what made that show work. The Dukes of Hazard was not about the fast cars and the moonshine. The Dukes of Hazard was about the family making sure that the bad guys didn't win in town. The the it was it was a family that was taking on the system. You could very much do a version of that without getting into parody. When you look at uh, the news that we're going to get a new Fresh Prince, a dramatic version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So it's a completely different interpretation of it and not a reboot, but it's a, it's a different lens. It's a different way of looking at that same core story, which is Will Smith's story of how he got started. And, okay, here's the comedy take on it. Now we're going to get the dramatic take on it. It's not going to be the same thing. And everybody has acknowledged it's a different take. It's not going to be a ripoff of the original show. It's not going to be, it's not going to trash the original show. It's just going to be a completely different lens for the inspiration for that show. It, it, it's a completely different approach. If you want to do something like that for something like the Powerpuff Girls, maybe, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. Personally, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're even going to see it. If it, if there's a script order, I don't, I would be surprised if it goes past that. But having said that, since Greg Berlani is involved, it might go to pilot. We might at least get a pilot episode that does something but I don't know. I mean, does the... Well, here's the other question I'm just thinking of. Does the idea, you know, the fact that they're developing a Powerpuff Girls series as at the CW, does that imply that Green Arrow and the Canaries with Katie McNamara is not moving forward? Because they already have a 20-somethings angsty... I don't want to be a hero hero show with that with with Katie McNamara and and uh, and Katie Cassidy and uh, Julia Harkavy doing this the 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 Arrow spinoff where uh, Kat is uh, uh, oh what's her name um, all, uh, Thea Queen not Thea um, oh. Help me out. She's she's the kid. She's she's 
Oliver and and Felicity's daughter. Uh, and she's the new Green Arrow in the future. They already had that show in development, and you know we've seen costumes and we've seen photos, and and where where is that show? We haven't heard anything about it. Now we go to the September twelfth edition of the DC Fandom, uh, part two, where we're going to get more information on CW programming and what's going on in the comic books. Maybe we'll get some idea then of what uh, what what we're getting out of the Arrowverse. And if Green Arrow and the Canaries is part of that lineup, then okay. But I haven't seen any information at all that that show is moving forward. And if it's not, why not? Why would they not move forward with that? Because that's all, you know, that's female superheroes. And that's the, you know, and it's dark and edgy because it's in the future and it's a dystopian story. Uh, So you have that already. So why, if you're if you're going to do the Powerpuff Girls, does that mean that the other one's done, or are they leaning into let's do more uh, female superheroes across the board? So who else? What other shows would they get? Because Supernatural is going away, and that leaves room on the schedule for you know a couple of things, or, or maybe they're hedging their bets. Maybe they're saying, okay, well let's do. Let's do the Green Arrow show, and let's do Powerpuff Girls, and maybe they maybe they announce one other one, and whichever one takes off, that's the one that'll get a series order. I don't know. Is Berlanti spreading himself too thin? Because this is what fifteen or twenty different shows that he's producing out of out of his company, uh, plus the documentaries that he's doing. So I don't know. It, I just. The the grim, gritty, grown-up Powerpuff Girls resenting their lack of childhood when they actually had a childhood, it just seems like this is going to end in tears. But that's just me. And I've managed to fill an hour talking about that. So, I'll give myself a sticker a gold star sticker. For those of you who do want a sticker, I'll show you this. Uh, for those of you who would like to have a sticker, you can send us an email or send your feedback. Either way, uh, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. You can leave a comment on uh, on any of the threads here on our social media. If you would like a sticker, if you want to send us a self-addressed stamped envelope, you could do that too. Our mailing address is 1503 Main Street, number 305. Grandview, Missouri, 64030. Don't forget, we do have that discount code over at SuperheroStuff.com. 10% off when you use the promo code SciFiForMe10. And if you are so inclined, you want to take the money that you save and support us with it, we do have an account over at SubscribeStar.com. And, of course, we've got the PayPal link for, uh, for tips. And, uh, you know, you could do Super Chats if you want, but I don't... Uh, I don't regularly uh, talk about that. We do have the little sign up here or, you know, we'll podcast for Super Chats, but YouTube takes 55% of it, so um, if you're going to send us anything, there are other ways to do it. So that's going to do it for us today. Uh, uh, Clint Stoker will be here on Monday. We are talking to Mercedes Lackey about getting an interview scheduled for her. Uh, Don't have anything scheduled yet for the rest of the week. 
but that could change. So keep an eye on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, MeWe, Minds. Uh, we're on Pinterest, but that's all cosplay. Uh, so uh, make sure that you're following us on your social media channel of choice. Make sure you have your notifications turned on. If you are new to the channel, make sure you subscribe. And we will be back with more here tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Central. And tonight, a brand new episode, a brand new installment, number 98 of the uh, Star Wars news program that we have going on. It's called Salacious Crumbs. We do invite you to check back tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, assuming that I can get everything edited and exported and uploaded in time so there is that uh, we do thank you for watching uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast you can watch us live on our youtube channel monday through thursday at noon central and we will be back and do this all again tomorrow thanks for being here everyone this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me radio copyright 2020 by flaming dog media llc all rights reserved no portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media